It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. We were discouraged with all the negativity in the world and decided to focus on finding some good out there. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast with me, Teresa. And me, Amy. We're two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. So, Teresa, I feel like it's been forever. It has been forever. So, what's happening? <laughs> what's happening in your life? Well, I did pull out all the I'm putting Halloween stuff it's up. It's really so, cute. Um, I noticed more stuff since the last time yes. I was here. But then good. I'm realizing that, you know, Spencer's going to be down in California for the duck game. Uh-huh. And so... Like, hmm, am I decorating for my children anymore or for myself? We have a party. Yes, we are going to have a party. Um, And what's so interesting is people not telling me what they're going to be. So my parents will not tell me. Wow. You know. Gail's not going to tell me. She this sounds exciting. I'm some pictures. I won't so, be here. So I'm going to see what these people look so, like. I'm like, I didn't realize it was such such mm. a secret. Yeah. So um, I'll be talking about that next time. But oh, it's that'll just be fun. Been, I, I love this time of year. I know it's okay. whirlwind, but, you know, Thanksgiving. It's a change of season, yeah. yeah. Right around the corner and then Christmas. So it's just been busy, but but all good. Oh, fun. I'm going to talk just a little bit about some amazing kids and what they did during COVID. I know oh. that we're kind of, you know, yeah. feel like it's in the rearview mirror, but right. still awesome things and inspiring others to maybe do stuff too. Oh, that sounds really good. Well, this is episode 106, and I'm going to talk about Grammy winning singer, songwriter, Brandy Carlisle. And then later I'll be talking about a cool nonprofit called Past Lives. Mm, I'm excited about that. Yeah. COVID was hard on everybody. Oh, yeah. But especially kids. I feel, you know, so bad for the kids that didn't get actual proms or, you know, just so many things. But being isolated from friends, disruption in education, not to mention the boredom. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) I I don't know. We baked it. My girls baked a lot in the initial (laughs) stages. I made one thing. It was um, like a sheet pan chicken and and grilled veggies. And they're like, we never want that ever again because that was your kind of a go-to yeah it was what I made all the time and it was delicious I still it sounds good it sounds really good but my kids don't want it ever again so um I know a lot of kids including mine filled up time with movies and video games one thing they did that was different was that movies and video games became a communal online activity it took me a while to get this but our kids adapted to the isolation better than most grown-ups it wasn't just playing a video game it was hanging out with friends. Yeah. They chatted and played much like they did before COVID. The only difference was they weren't sitting in the same room. You know, they weren't on the right. same couch. They joked, teased, and talked smack just like they would if they were sitting in the same room. They talked about things going on in their lives. My two kids living at home knew more about what was going on with my son off at school than I did because they gamed online with a couple of hours. See, that's why I kind of don't have a problem with gaming. When mm-hmm. they were younger, I was kind of like, oh, yeah. But then, yeah, don't you? I mean, I kind of feel like it's well. Like when Zach was in Wales, I tried to play play um, Star Wars with them. It was a mess because they just right. left me behind. You know, they know you're how to play back the game. And, yeah, and they just leave, and I'm like, where am? Yeah, so it was a mess. But I tried. So yeah, good I understand. For you. That's good. Yeah. 
Um, even watching movies became a group event. When my kids couldn't be with their significant others, they'd watch a movie simultaneously and um, while they were watching the movie and while they weren't on the same couch, they'd be, you know, chatting, doing the commentary about it, which drives me <laughs> nuts. But that, for them, it made it a shared experience. Right. Like they were watching the movies together. Yeah. yeah. We've talked about kids who did some pretty cool stuff during COVID to help others. And while COVID's still out there, for sure, we're not living in such an isolated manner anymore. Kids are back in school. Communities are mostly reopened and life's going on. I still want to share some stories about what some kids did during COVID because I think there are some life lessons that are worthy of admiration for sure. Recently checked out a book from the library called What Kids Did, Stories of Kindness and Invention in the Time of COVID-19 by Erin Silver. It's a cute, cute book, but obviously aimed at a younger audience. Lots of pictures, I mean, like um, pictures of the kids and what they did. The stories highlight acts of kindness community building, and even inventions created by young people during COVID. I just wanted to quickly share a few. Chelsea Fair, a 10-year-old Connecticut girl, didn't want presents for herself for her 10th birthday. 10. Wow. She asked for people to give her art supplies to donate. She's always loved art, but her favorite swim teacher was killed in a shooting, and she used art as therapy to help her manage her feelings. She gathered the supplies and mailed out kits to kids in school, foster care, women's shelters, and homeless shelters. She used social media to get additional supplies donated, and she gave out more than 1,500 art kits. Wow. She's 10. That's so amazing. I know. Chelsea says, art is important to me because no matter how bad I am feeling, my art supplies are always there for me. So no matter what happens, know that art is a start. It is. Well, my daughter lucy loves to do Mm -hmm. art and it's a good therapy when you're i mean when you're stressed out to do a painting or something so i get if you're gifted (laughs) well even if not just the process yeah very true jorge martinez received a small 3d printer for christmas when he was 12 when jorge heard that doctors and nurses in hospitals of his hometown of oaxaca didn't have enough face masks to treat covid patients he used all of his savings to buy materials to 3D print face masks. His story got out and inspired others to donate to his mission, and other people with 3D printers joined in to make the protective masks. During COVID, Jorge donated more than 1,500... I'm seeing a uh, common thing here, 1,500 masks. Wow. Once again, you know, he's 12. That's amazing. Veronica Kolarska from Toronto, Ontario. She's 13. She was a musician who plays violin, piano, recorder, guitar, and ukulele. My son's... I hate recorder. I'm going to throw that (laughs) one out there. Oh, my gosh. My kids, all of them did that recorder for... Well, they do this, like... um, Hot cross. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I know. What they call recorder, though. What they... Well, they did it for... At their school for um, the... Is part of like um, patriotic program. Oh, okay. So they played some, <laughs> and they all played it. We all signed lovely, up for that with lovely, the bag yeah. and the. Oh. oh my gosh! Yeah. I yeah. Some things I don't miss about them being little and yeah. recorder. That's one of them. <laughs> that is. I remember doing after school care, and we had kids, and I'm like, oh, no recorder well, today. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. But she organized groups of other young musicians to play together online and even put two virtual concerts together that raised enough money to provide 1,200 music lessons to children in Rwanda. 
Veronica stated, we believe that music can heal and through the power of music, we can help everyone during this challenging time. Having a musical education gives people the power to get through anything. Oh. Once again, she's 13. So Very fun. mature so lady. Yeah. Piper Schumer from Michigan used her time during the pandemic to collect cans and use the bottle refund to raise money to buy bikes and donate them to charities that provide bikes for children in low-income families. Piper, who's 12, arranged for some businesses to donate to her cause. A local restaurant even donated the proceeds for a sale of a particular menu item to Piper's project. She's donated 400 bikes so far and plans to continue. While life's continued, like I said, to somewhat resembling a little normalcy, the spirit that the children, you know, showed during this can definitely continue. These kids looked at their community and asked, what can I do? Yeah. There's no reason not to continue that giving spirit. All of us should be asking, what can I do? Everyone has something to contribute. Can be helping teach people how to do computer coding, which would not be me because I... I'd be, they would not be learning anything. Or it could be helping people learn to read, spending time with seniors, or just picking up trash while you're out walking or running. If everyone contributed just a little, imagine the impact. Right. I mean, it'd be huge. So I think we all can learn from these kids and what they did during COVID. Yeah, for sure. That's Good book. awesome. I saw Brandi Carlisle, who's a Grammy-winning country musical artist-songwriter, last month on the Today Show. Shocking! I know. For <laughs> is they have these summer concert series mm-hmm. where she mentioned she had a new memoir out, Broken Horses. But I have to say, something about the way she looked out at the audience, she looked so vulnerable. It just made me curious about her. I had heard the song Crowded Table. Brandy is also part of an all-woman musical group, The High Women. The song blew me away. Is it, it is it a popular song now or yeah, it's pretty okay. yeah. Okay. And um because she's country. She's country. Okay. And I have to say real fast, high women um, all women group. I can't remember the other artists that started it, but it was in response to the mm-hmm. Me Too movement. And because it was started, there's a highway men group with like uh, Willie Nelson, mm-hmm. Chris Christopherson. And so this was to bring some awareness to having more female country music artists. Because there's, it's kind of slim, mm, and okay. so that was that's kind of the feelings behind it. But this song uh, is just so full of love. The lyrics, which happened to be the chorus, just like blew me away and just touched my heart. It, I'm just going to read a few of it here. It says, "I want a house with a crowded table, a place by the fire for everyone. Let us take on the world while we're young and able, and bring us back together when the day is done." It. Makes me think of Jesus, you know, everyone invited. Close, You're going to make me cry. Closely yeah. seated, you know, elbows are touching. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I just, I needed to read her book. The title of her book, Broken Horses, came from her daughter, Evangeline. Brandy and her wife, Catherine, and their two little girls were snuggled in bed talking about what to name the book. Her eldest daughter, Evangeline, asked, Mama, remember when you were poor, how could you afford horses? Brandy said she couldn't. I was given broken ones. And Evangeline said, that's what you should name your book, Broken Horses. Mm. So Brandy Carlisle was born in 1981 in Burien, south of Seattle in Washington State. I've never heard of that town. No, oh, I I mean, well, well, I'm from there. So yeah. yeah. Her parents married young. Her mom was 20. Her dad was 21. They met at the local Red Lion. The mom was a hostess and the dad was a breakfast prep cook. Mm. Brandy describes her upbringing that they were dirt poor and they moved around a lot. 
14 times, which meant different schools. And the moves were both exciting and scary, sometimes as a result of an eviction notice or job changes. And uh, it's amazing. She has like vivid details of each home, you know, partly due to her photographic memory and then also the intense circumstances that caused Mm -hmm. the move. Mm -hmm. Brandy's family were nail biters and it's a habit that Brandy adopted at a young age. Adults would say, stop biting your nails. You're going to get sick. When she was four years old, she got super sick with meningitis. And so for Brandy, it started kind of like a dreamy-like flu, as she describes. Her mom called the 24-hour nurse. While on the phone, Brandy's eyes rolled back in her head, Mm -hmm. and her mom rushed her to the hospital. I wonder what she meant, dreamy flu. That's how it felt. Just kind of like a dreamy-like flu. She wasn't in her body. He wasn't like in her body. Yeah. Her heart flatlined several times, and then she went into a coma. And fortunately, she woke up later and was starving, and she asked for her favorite food, a tomato, which oh <laughs> I have to I have to get why her her entire family was standing around her parents, little brother Jay, both sets of grandparents, aunts and uncles, all gathered around her, and they just erupted with yeah. laughter at that at her request. Probably excited too. They so were happy that she's awake. Exactly. And, yeah. She's asking for a tomato. She's asking for a tomato. Some of her family members were really religious, and some more casually, she puts it, but everyone believed in God. They also believed God kept Brandy alive because he had a plan for her. Brandy loved Jesus, but she did not love church. Her aunt and uncle would take her every summer to vacation Bible school, and she felt like Jesus just wasn't there. She writes about her faith uh, being tied to worries about prayers, if they were too selfish, You know, she's asking for peace or something that she lost. Her grandparents were a huge influence on her life, especially her mom's side of the family with the musical talents. Her mom's dad, uh, Grandpa Vernon, was a singer in the family, and he, I guess, could sure yodel. (laughs) His brother, Sonny, played the banjo and and guitar. When their mom, Brandy's great-grandmother, was alive, she played honky-tonk piano. Hmm. What is honky-tonk piano? Honky-tonk's kind of like old... um, old rock and roll country you know a lot of it's kind of loud High and energy rag time oh, okay so brandy's mom was a singer and was in a couple of bands during brandy's youth when brandy was around nine her family heard about the northwest uh, grand old opry show they were holding auditions brandy's mom tried out uh, right before her mom's audition a little girl in a yellow frilly dress sang dolly parton's you're gonna mm, love that yeah. coat of many colors Brandy said she sang the shit out of that song. <laughs> the and little it, girl? Yeah, and it blew her mind. Mm. Her mom could read Brandy's mind, and she knew she was hooked on music. Shortly after that, Brandy auditioned and sang Tennis Flat Top Box by Roseanne Cash, um, written by her father, Johnny Cash. Oh. Brandy discovered music to be pure joy. Her brother was getting the musical bug, too. He could play practically any instrument. And was super technical, which is amazing because, you know, they're young kids. Mm-hmm. They enjoyed several years performing at the Northwest Grand Ole Opry show. Plus, uh, they entered, you know, other singing contests. It was a hard time, though, for their family. Their dad was out of work and had a drinking problem that got worse. The family was playing at bars. And he didn't Even know where, they're so young. Yeah, that's oh where their gosh. shows were. And he didn't know where he fit in. Mm-hmm. So he would often sit and drink. Um, so that really made it rough on the family mm-hmm. life. Yeah. In sixth grade, Brandy wanted to fit in. She thought it would be cool to carry around this book of a cute boy on the cover. Turns out this cute boy was Ryan White, 
who sadly died of AIDS. Brandy had been taught that AIDS was a disease caused by homosexual men. And Ryan was a hemophiliac and contracted AIDS by a blood transfusion as a teen. Mm-hmm, I remember. And he died at 18. When he died, Elton John played Skyline Pigeon at his service. The lyrics to the psalm were in the book, and Brandy described the lyrics as poetry that just leapt off the page. And I think that's when she knew she was going to be a songwriter, and her musical journey began. Uh, she went to King County Library, which I love reading because I'm from that area. Mm-hmm. And made many stops there. So you've uh, been to that library? I, well, King County, it's just like the Washington County. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, it's the county. Yeah. It's oh, on okay. all, you know, in that county, all the libraries. Cool. So anyways, yeah, she checked out books on Elton John and his albums. Her research led her to discovering Freddie Mercury and Queen, the Beatles, George Michael, and Dave, David Bowie, uh, who I love. <laughs> but And that's when she said she isn't a country singer anymore. Well, hmm. just for a little bit. You know, uh, she played a CD with Elton John ballads all night long, you know, on repeat. She'd get up and play repeat, hoping that she'd become a musical genius like Elton John, you know, by osmosis. Brandy writes about feeling like she didn't fit in at the musical contest with the little girls and dresses and the Whitney Houston ballads. Brandy liked singing weird songs that no one knew. And for one of the contests, she wanted to sing Elton John's Honky Cat. Brandy found a men's white polyester suit at a used clothing store, and her mom went to Michael's and bedazzled it with the yellow sequins and, you know, rhinestones. Her mom even adorned a pair of drugstore boat shoes with the letters EJ and made yellow pipe cleaner glasses with feathers. That's so cute. Yeah, totally. And Brandy felt amazing. She lost the contest, but her mom helped her express herself to her peers, which was huge. Mm -hmm. Brandy always wanted a horse. She had this reoccurring dream about having a horse. And her cousin, her favorite cousin, was a jockey and gave her a retired racehorse drummer with a hurt leg. Brandy did her best to care for him. She gave him shots of antibiotics and changed his gauze. Even though Brandy had him for just under a year, she created a real bond with drummer. Her cousin eventually took him back. Uh, Brandy writes, probably because they weren't taking good care of him, that he was really taking care of her. Mm. She was devastated, you know. Then when Brandy was around 15, uh, she was kind of quickly realizing she was attracted to women. And this is around the same time Ellen DeGeneres had her coming out episode. As Ellen said she was gay, you know, Brandy realized she was too and needed to tell her parents. And she said that Ellen gave her the language uh, to start the dialogue with her family. Her parents were in her corner. And at the same time, it's interesting, she felt drawn to church. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, she had a girlfriend at the time, Jessica, uh, who the family adored, and she was Mormon. And so she kind of understood that complicated dance with organized religion. Mm -hmm. Sadly, Brandy was discouraged from participating in the musical worship and for for her spiritual state of mind. Now, Brandy assumed that just meant that she needed to be baptized. So she decided to get baptized. So when she arrived at the church to get baptized, the pastor asked her, if she practiced witchcraft or pl- black magic. And she laughed and said no. Because of course not. No. no. Yeah. And then sweating, the pastor asked her if, you know, knowing, already knowing the answer, do you practice homosexuality? Brandy replied, I don't care for that word, and I'm only being who I was born to be. And he said, I know, I, I can't baptize you. I mean, how how crushing yeah. after a week of preparation. And when she's just wanting to get baptized and express 
her, her, her fate. Love. Yeah, exactly. And and he knew she had a girlfriend and that she was gay. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he didn't say something yeah, to her. But beginning. you know, so Brandy bolted out of the church, passing her friends and family. The pastor kept calling her. She, they never spoke again. But you know, I think I mean I we I struggle with organized religion for yeah, this very you and I both. reason yeah. for the lack of inclusion. I know we talked about finding a church where everyone is welcome. Exactly. At the table. So, and I also read that at the time for Brandy, this is, you know, being baptized was kind of a checklist for conformity, you know, which is understandably. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a teen, mm-hmm. she wants to fit in. Yeah. By 16, she moved out of her parents' house and dropped out of school. She'd been playing in a band called The Shed and started writing her own music. Brandy did all sorts of jobs to support herself, working as a barista. A sample lady at the grocery store, a roofing laborer. <laughs> I mean, she's oh she did it all, you know. And then Brandy also didn't want to give up on her dream for a horse, <laughs> so she went to an auction with her mom's friend, and she raised the her auction paddle for a little scrappy horse for seventy five dollars. And I <laughs> I love this that she described him being so tiny that she could put him in the back of her pickup like a dog. <laughs> uh, Brandy named him Sovereign. But, you know, it's interesting. She had no clue at the time that buying this horse would be one of the most impactful decisions she would make. He was a gift of what she called burden that helped shape her work ethic. She would have that responsibility until she was nearly 40. So, so anyway, still she's trying to pursue music. Brandy got a busking permit um, and started playing guitar and singing in front of the flying fish at the Pike Pikes Market in Seattle. Have you been there? Yes. I love that. Yes. I love the Very- market. Yeah, eclectic and now bus, busking. It's a busking. permit, so you could so you could perform. Oh, okay. Yeah, so okay. you could perform publicly, and I'm yeah. learning so much. Okay, here. so yeah, so she started hustling big time, <laughs> playing at restaurants and bars six nights a week all over Western Washington, and then in 1999, at 18, she let go of the band, the shed, and scraped you know enough money together to make a demo at a legitimate studio in Seattle. While recording her demo, she met twins Tim and Phil Hansaroff of Fighting Machinist Band. I'm not familiar with them, Mm -mm. but I guess they were really popular at the time. They exchanged numbers and kept in touch, and eventually their band broke up, and Brandy asked them to be in um, a band with her, and they're still together today. She calls them the twins. Yeah. They met a local promoter who arranged them to play for Dave Matthews' band at the Gorge Mm. Amphitheater Mm -hmm. in George Washington when their opening act got sick. Dave Matthews listened to them perform and picked up one of their demos, and he gave it to his booking agent, Chip Hooper, who I guess is a holy grail of hmm. in music. Mm-hmm. And so they really, you know, began to gain momentum. Uh, they got a gig for James Taylor in L.A. for an HIV benefit. Then she met fame producer T-Bone Burnett, and in 2007, he booked them on a European tour of their album, The Story. So amidst her music, her growing musical career, she was kind of having some self-doubt. And then one night she had a dream about her grandpa Vernon and his brother Sonny. They were singing in her dream, and her grandpa said, Here she is, Sonny. You're going to hear her now, and nodded for Brandy to take over the vocal. Then elbowing his brother, he's like, Didn't I tell you she could sing? Sonny said, Man, she really can sing. And, it's, you know, it's exactly what she needed to hear. When she woke up from her dream, she prayed for the first time in years and thank God for the encouragement, you know, from the dream. From that dream. Yeah. yeah. And then she dove into an independent Bible study that led her to this kind of a deeper spiritual discovery. She read Rob Bell, 
Rachel Held Evans, that's one of my favorites, who wrote Searching for Sunday, and many other Christian authors. She even confronted her fear of church and got baptized on Easter Sunday, 2009. Beyond her love of music, Brandy has a heart uh, for activism. In July of 2009, in the Seattle area, there was a series of violent crimes against the LGBTQ that ended in a horrible rape of Jen Hopper and rape and murder of her fiance Teresa mm-hmm. Butts. Brandy was in the beginning stages of launching her nonprofit foundation, Looking Out. And one of her foundation's first campaigns was Fight the Fear to celebrate Jen and Teresa by funding classes that taught at-risk women and girls all over the Seattle self-defense for free. Mm-hmm. Jen and Teresa's story cut the eye of Catherine Shepard, who worked on charities for Sir Paul McCartney. Mm-hmm. And Catherine reached out to Brandy and donated auction items to help raise money to support Fight the Fear campaign. Catherine also gave Brandy advice and mentoring for her, over, you know, for about her foundation. The funny thing, Brandy thought Catherine was in her 60s, I guess because of her wisdom and, and demeanor. They met up a year later, and Catherine wasn't in her 60s. And, well, cut to the chase, they fell in love and married in 2012. They wanted kids, and they did a lot of research and decided on IVF. IVF is uh, when eggs are collected from ovaries and fertilized by sperm in a lab. Then the uh, fertilized egg or embryos are transferred to the uterus. Brandy asked an old friend, David, from school to be the sperm donor. To be a donor is not an easy ask. I mean, he had to donate several times, see a counselor, you know, meet mm-hmm. like with a family yeah. lawyer. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a lot it's involved. Yeah. But they, of course. Um, not a simple decision. No. Right? Yeah. yeah, but they were, they were over the moon that he said yes and super grateful. Catherine carried the baby with Brandy's harvest, harvest eggs. Brandy wrote about the birthing and breastfeeding classes were biased, you know, toward traditional parental roles, which really gave her a complex. Mm-hmm. She felt like she knew she was not the dad and she wasn't the mom either. Initially, Brandy felt, you know, kind of confused about yeah. her role. Catherine found a midwife who specialized in diverse pregnancy situations who came to their house and retaught the classes to them. And then in 2015, they welcomed their daughter, Evangeline. And I love that Brandy wrote, you know, I made peace with knowing that there was some pioneering involved in what we were doing to the point where there wasn't even a two-mother template on a birth certificate yet. She's hoping that, you know, people see through her story that there's no right or wrong way to evolve into to a parenting role, mm-hmm. either heterosexual or same-sex relationships. And I love that Evangeline travels on the road and is part of the music, you know, with them. Yeah, just like Pink Skids. Yeah. I I love love that. that. Yeah. And motherhood impacted Brandy and Catherine in a huge way. They were in London when they heard the United States 2016 election results. Yeah. And their hearts immediately went to the immigrants, the refugees, the asylum seekers, worst of all, children that would suffer. Uh, Catherine had worked on war Child UK for Paul McCartney. War Child UK offers, you know, child protection, providing safety from armed conflict, education, psychological help, and legal assistance. Catherine came up with an idea of a fundraising tool using Brandy's album, The Story, which was pretty successful, and they owned all the songs, that they would ask artists like Adele, Elton John, Dolly Parton to cover songs, and then the proceeds would from the music sales went to War Child UK and its American partner, uh, Child in Conflict. It turned out to be a huge success, and they raised over $1 million, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. 
Her looking out foundation has grown too, and now even her fans participate. A dollar fifty from every concert ticket sold goes directly to her foundation to support um, their humanitarian efforts, which helps fund a variety of arts, education, you know, health, civil rights organizations, as well as her fan base community, cutely named Bramley, which isn't an ordinary. <laughs> fan community one-third of their membership fees also goes to her foundation and i love they have a do good bullet on their website Mm -hmm. brandy and her band feel strongly that nobody's financial limitations should exclude them from reaching out a hand to another person and changing the world her foundation recently launched a campaign to raise funds for children parents and caretakers who are fleeing the war in ukraine I just um, love their heart. Their heart, yeah. yeah, for sure. And because we love wine, Teresa, I had to mention <sighs> that in 2019, Brandy co-founded with her with Catherine and their uh, friends Amy and Jerry Andrews a winery, XOBC Cellars. It's based in Washington. Ooh. Yeah, a place that Brandy likens to Napa and Blue Jeans. I love that. <laughs> the wines are named after Brandy and her wife and two daughters, which is super sweet. And all sales, of course, go to her foundation. Mm. I just she's super creative in funding yeah. the foundation, which I just have to throw that out yeah. there. XOBC is a boutique winery with limited fruit resources. Um, as a result, their wines sell out very quickly, but they can be purchased at uh, www.xobcsellers.com. Sadly, there's no tasting room because I was going to say we should do a road trip. Yeah, that's the first thought I that had. Be so fun. <laughs> But, you know, oh my gosh, I'm not, I just kind of highlighted a little bit about her musical career. I was just really drawn into her story. I just admire her openness to write about her upbringing her, and her faith, finding love and starting a family. I really admire her heart for helping others around the world using her musical clout for mm-hmm. good. But lastly, circling back to the title of the book, Broken Horses, Brandy writes about losing uh, Sovereign. He passed away quietly after spending his 20-year life by her side and holding her together, which I feel is so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. But she said God sent her what seemed like broken horses twice. You know, Brandy describes them as being inherently flawed, and yet only she they could only belong to her. And they were the most unbroken creatures she ever met. I love that. Yeah. You know, animals are truly amazing and are, you know, yeah. healing creatures. For sure. For sure. Even before I had a daughter, I was passionate about global women's issues. But now that she's here, I'm even more inspired to leave a better world for Evangeline. Brandy Carlisle. I heard this really cool story about a local, right here in Portland, Oregon, ex-convict, uh, Brandon Morlock. During his five years behind bars, you know, he tried to keep himself busy with woodworking, learning some new trades. Prior to time in prison, he had worked in factories and woodworking shops. Mm -hmm. And it was during his time in prison, he began to dream about creating a space for himself and others to learn and practice their arts and trades. When he got out of prison, he naturally thought he would get a job, you know, with all this trade experience. He was mistaken. Sadly, no one responded to his job inquiries. Mm. So he decided to make his dream a reality. He opened a little space called Past Lives, a nonprofit where he offers a maker space to people who might otherwise be turned away. The warehouse includes a wood and metal shop, offering classes for some and workspaces for others. Smart. That's super neat. Yeah. I love it. 
And I love that Brandon said it makes makes me feel like I can have meaning and help people. So fast forward a little less than a year, Past Lives is thriving. Brandon is still running the makerspace, but now he has the support of Glenn Dahl, co-founder of Dave's Killer Bread, mm-hmm. which is my family's mm-hmm. one of their favorite breads. But Glenn Dahl, who um, knows about growing a business, matched donations given to Past Lives so they could move into a larger space. Glenn Dahl built a little family bakery in Portland alongside his brother Dave, a former convict, and turned it into a successful bread business and did it while providing jobs to people with criminal records, yeah. which is super yeah. awesome. Dave's Killer Bread's mission was similar to Brandon's vision, so it was just a natural fit. Now Past Lies has a big new warehouse, 26,000 square feet, for those interested in learning a craft or a trade. Another cool thing they're doing is this outreach program where you can purchase art from incarcerated artists. Oh. The goal is to give voice and hope to those incarcerated. The website is pastlivesprisonoutreach.com. And I have to say, Teresa, there's a really cool R2-D2 frame <gasps> pencil drawing Ooh. on there. That's fr- It's really cool. And then just tons of other really, really cool pieces of art. But currently, um, art only can be sold in Oregon. Uh, proceeds go directly to incarcerated and their families, 80% to the incarcerated, 20% back to past lives for operating costs. Mm-hmm. But I just love both these businesses, Dave Killer's Bread and Past Lives. They're offering second chances to yeah. ex-convicts, you know, providing valuable training, jobs, and then, you know, more importantly, hope. Yeah, hope, you know. because it keeps them, it gives them something to do for the community. Yeah. When I look into the eyes of an animal, I do not see an animal. I see a living being. I see a friend. I feel a soul. A.D. Williams. Thanks for listening to Tangential Inspiration. We really want to hear from you. Email us your comments or story suggestions at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com or leave a comment on our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Our website has all our podcast episodes, show notes, stories, follow-ups, and links to websites and books we talk about. Like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, And you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week.